Hey y'all, it's Ashes, and welcome back to another episode of Simply Put. I want to thank everyone for being incredibly patient with me as I try to keep my apartment from floating away uh, when it rains or when it gets too hot, uh, which is basically the only weather that exists in the Midwest during the summer, so it has been an uphill battle. But in the meantime, there's been a lot of things that have happened in the U.S. as far as race relations since the last time we checked in. Most notably for me was the Proud Boys had a rally in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and were met by quite a few counter-protesters, including a couple of people that I knew from when I lived on that side of the state. And from their pictures and their stories, it looked like only about four or five Proud Boys showed up, and they were able to get pictures and video of each of them in hopes that they can be identified and then go on from there. I haven't uh, kept up on that story. That's very, very close to home for me. And I just do not have the emotional availability for how absolutely terrifying the amount of active hate groups in Michigan are. Uh, we have one of the most active um, states as far as active gr- uh, hate groups. And I just try really hard to know what I'm supposed to be looking out for, and then aside from that, just pretend like it never happened, like the uh, Wendy Nopes and the Not Deer and just just stuff like that. If you talk about it too much, then it just brings them out of the woodwork. Um, So in my day-to-day life, I try really hard not to talk about it. Uh, My husband is in a lot of counter-protest groups for stuff like that, and works in a lot of political alleyways when it comes to stuff like that so I feel comfortable that that's something that I don't have to pay attention to because it's something that he does. Uh, Do I want to talk about that today though? No, I don't. Uh, But I did think that it was incredibly important to bring it up because I didn't see any news outlets cover any of that. Um, I saw like local news groups talk about it but aside from that I haven't heard anything. What I actually want to talk about today is a bit of a nod to what I thought I would be covering when I started blogging regularly and way before I even thought about race-related conversations. So I want to talk about being a mom. Not the biracial stay-at-home mom of a mixed-race child in an interracial marriage. I just want to talk about being a mom uh, and the experiences of being a mom and how different enjoying things and time with people has become since I've become a mom. But I can't do that without talking about race, at least a little bit. So I will try to keep it brief, um, but that might not happen. And that's just gonna have to be okay. Last weekend, Jordan came to visit and it's the first time I've seen them in person since I was 16 years old. and we only spent like a week together. It was at a national conference. And <laughs> we were both on like the national acting team and we spent a week, a week and a half straight together and then haven't seen each other since. So Jordan, sometimes I call them Brex, is my all-time best friend and is lovingly serving as my daughter's godparent. And I've spoken a lot about them in the past and their journey to be the person who needs them to be in case something were to happen to me. They've guest posted on Simply Ashes a couple times. They actually helped me run uh, my Facebook page that I don't do anything with anymore because the algorithms just kill me. But it has been a long and pretty well-documented journey for both of us. 
it's required conversations that neither of us were necessarily ready for and it put a bit of stress on our friendship as we worked through those things independently but we both fought through that for the sake of Ruth because Jordan loves her as much as we do and is willing to constantly be uncomfortable to make sure that they're safe for her to be around it's required us to tackle how we're spending money and the importance of being as ethical as possible in our consumption, which has led to a really fantastic conversation about there being no ethical consumption in capitalism. And I'm really sad that we didn't record while he was here. Um, but great conversations have come from that and in, in different viewpoints and different things that both of us need to pay attention to or work on, especially because Jordan and his fiance live in Arkansas and I live in Michigan and I don't know um I know that Michigan briefly turned red a couple years ago but it is nothing and <laughs> nothing like Arkansas so it's interesting to see the perspective of somebody who lives in a state where there are still sundown towns in a state where I don't know that it would be safe for me to visit and they don't know whether it would be safe for me to visit and we were actually talking about um, this little restaurant run by an influencer who just seems really nice. It's a uh, Positively Alex on TikTok, and um, she was like going through some stuff, and she owns a restaurant. And we were like, oh, you know, that would be really cool to go to. And Jordan was just like, yeah, it's just a couple hours of me. I was like, well, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if it's safe for me to go. And they like looked it up, and they're like, oh no, no, you can't go there. But understanding that that's something that needs to be looked into before we ever make plans to go something is to go somewhere uh, is a really big step. And it's something that that they've started to take initiative for so that I don't have to do it because I always feel like if we can't go someplace because it's not like black or brown people friendly, I feel like I'm preventing other people from going. Whereas in that situation, Jordan was just like, neither one of us are going to go because it's not safe for you to be there. And it took a long time to get to that because we tackled their love of Jeffree Star Cosmetics, which was a conversation that I had put off for a long time um, because I, I knew what that was going to get into and I understood why Jeffree Star was important to Jordan's community uh, growing up. And I didn't want to take away from that, but I also thought that it was important to understand that you're supporting somebody who creates dangerous situations and creates people, influences people to feel that same way and to handle things the same way as, as he does. And that just doesn't work when your goddaughter and your best friend are black or brown. It took us being open about each of our privileges and how there are times where each of our presence endangers the other. And in some ways, it tested our, our decades-long friendship because we both belong to marginalized communities. It took us a long time to be able to accept that part of ourselves. And um, it required us both to have a perspective that looked past our disadvantages and work through the emotions that come with those without invalidating the other person's experiences. 
in the sense that my heteronormative marriage protects me even though I'm queer, but my brown skin can't be hidden. Their maleness and ability to mask their queerness for safety when necessary protects them in a way that I will never experience, yet there are places where the two of us together endanger each other, and those were really important to sift through, find a way to navigate, and understand that just because we are both marginalized, we are not marginalized in the same way, and creating an intersection for the two of us where we're both safe or where my daughter is safe when she's with both of us means that my daughter will go with whomever is safer in that moment. And if that means I have to take a step back and pretend like I'm just a random bystander or whether Jordan has to take a step back and pretend that they are a random bystander, then that's what that means. And that demands a high level of hyper-awareness that's very different than what either of us are used to and required them especially to navigate their world differently. And to be honest, I wasn't even sure Jordan liked kids when I asked them, but I'm very thankful they said yes because what I experienced last weekend was love. I knew my daughter liked Jordan because she always asks to FaceTime them almost every day as soon as she gets up and watches their TikTok lives over at Iconoclast whenever she's awake and they're doing makeup. And I think she finds their voice soothing because sometimes she doesn't say anything or isn't even near the phone but still gets sad when the live or the phone call ends. And honestly, she might just want to make sure they're still there. But Jordan's flight got delayed, so Rue had gone to bed before we got back to the airport and was grumpy as all get out when I woke her up. But she let Jordan hold her and every once in a while she'd glance up and smile this like teeny tiny smile before snuggling back into their shoulder. And we'd spent most of the week prior talking about what would happen if they came all of this way and Rue didn't like them in person because being rejected by a small child is brutal absolutely heart-wrenching. But thankfully, that didn't seem to be the case because Rue spent the next two days head over heels in adoration and was absolutely devastated when we dropped Jordan off at the airport. At first, she was upset because Jordan was leaving and then she was saying, I didn't want Jordan to go on the plane. And then this this tiny little two-and-a-half-year-old was absolutely heartbroken because she thought that Jordan was going to go on the plane alone. Like, she didn't want them to be alone. And this whole time, my mom kept texting and asking how things were and if Rue and Jordan were getting along and what we were up to. And by the end of the weekend, she just straight out asked if Jordan and I had gotten to spend any time together. And the answer to that is yes and no. We had the time after she went to bed, and that was it. But I never felt left out or bitter or, like, anything negative about not getting one-on-one time because this is what we'd spent the last three and a half years working toward. Ever since I texted him at 4 o'clock in the morning on Christmas Eve in 2017 with a positive pregnancy test, 
we've been working towards this moment. Watching my daughter give and receive love with someone I care about is is something that I didn't expect would hit me and my partner in the feels as much as I did. And Alex was working the entire weekend and I think only saw Jordan for maybe two hours the whole time. But I have so many pictures and videos of them interacting in every single frame no matter where you pause it, is pure joy and acceptance from Rue and pure love from Jordan. And I would have sat on the sidelines and watched the smiles and listened to the giggles for the rest of my life and been happy. And at the end of the weekend, I cried. Not because I was sad Jordan was leaving. I have spent the last 15, 16 years without them. But because I knew that it would hurt Rue. Knowing that before Jordan even got on the plane, we'd already made plans for their return in a couple of months to surprise her made made it easier. <laughs> and understanding that um, Alex, Jordan, and I were all on the same page with the idea that whatever it took would happen was nice too. Because I know that him coming was kind of a combined birthday present for the two of us. Because... Jordan and I's birthday are a day apart. But this visit, this was 100% for real. Knowing someone not only put years worth of hard emotional work in, but they also flew across the country to spend less than 36 hours with my daughter. And then on top of all of that, to make sure that the time they spent with her was quality time. (laughs) My heart cannot handle that. How in the world I managed to get so damn lucky is beyond me, but I am so blessed to have the support system I do and the people in my life who are willing to do the work to be a safe person around my daughter. She didn't ask to be here, and the only way I can give her the childhood she deserves is to make sure the people around her are willing to do what needs to be done to keep her safe. Because I'll be real with you, it's, it's not enough to say that you're doing it or you're willing to do it. Because if the people in the community you're an ally for don't know you're an ally, you're probably not. But to those who are consistently putting in the work to know better, do better, and be better for whatever person you're doing it for, we see you. And to everyone else... Try to put yourselves in our shoes. We don't get a second chance with our kids if someone isn't all in. There's no do-overs. That's a fatal mistake, and we have to live with that if we trust our children to the wrong people. All parents do. But this is another layer of protection needed for non-white children on top of the combined worry and fears that every parent feels. My greatest fear as a parent is constantly played out on the nightly news while people tear apart the victims before their bodies even get cold. And that is a unique experience for parents of color. Help isn't guaranteed for our children. 
So we have to make sure that they're with people who are cognizant and prepared for those situations. Because by the time most white people stop giving the benefit of the doubt to a racist regarding their intentions, my child has already seen, heard, and internalized what has been said and it becomes a part of who she is. And if that makes you uncomfortable, good. Sit in that. Work through that. And then go and tell all the other white people about that process, both publicly and privately. Don't make your friends in marginalized groups wonder whether you're safe for them and their children. Make sure there can be no questions asked or doubts in anybody's mind that you are safe for those children and for the people that you love and care about. And if you're not there yet, there's still work to do. And if you are there yet, well, there's still work to do. Because being an ally is an active title that requires constant upkeep. It's not some permanent badge of honor to show that you know, marginalized people exist and you recognize that and and sometimes things suck for them. It's more than just a ribbon that says you were invited to a cookout once. It's not a passive title. It is very active and it requires you to continuously put in work. Me too. Me too. Like I'm an ally for marginalized communities that I'm not a part of and it constantly requires me to learn and pay attention and do better and get uncomfortable for myself. The same way that I ask the people who love me and the people who love my daughter to do because I don't ever want to make somebody feel like they're they're not safe around me because I know what it's like to not feel safe around somebody else, especially how hard and how much it hurts to know that you're not safe around people who you love or who are supposed to love you. And I will not put my daughter in that position. So how about this? Let's you and me, let's do this. Let's take the rest of 2021 to get uncomfortable and learn to be okay with being uncomfortable, knowing that the growth on the other side is worth it. Because it is. Because you put in that growth and you put in that work and you flower into this beautiful, beautiful being and you get moments like Jordan got with Rue. Where I got to sit back and know with everything in me that my child was just as safe with Jordan as they were with me. That I would let Jordan walk out of my apartment complex and exist with her at a playground or at the pool And not be concerned that my child isn't going to come back. And not be concerned that my child isn't going to hear something about herself or about people who look like her that she shouldn't hear that would hurt her. Because I know that Jordan will step in and I know that Jordan will make sure that something is said in a way that is safe for my daughter. And that they will then come back to me. Tell me what happened and we can work through how to handle it if it happens again. How to handle it better. How to do better now that you know better. And come up with that plan together. So let's do it. We'll get uncomfortable. Me too. I'll check in. Give me a couple months and I'll check in about the things that I've gotten uncomfortable about. Because accountability is important. But until next time, stay safe.